Well, hey you, hello there, every person everywhere. Well, hello again, everybody. It is 9.30 p.m., January 1st, 2023. I am driving from Essex to York. I am happy to report and also sad to report a lot of life changes related to what I just said, actually. And I am every person everywhere, and this is stuff that you can relate to, I hope. So, I'm not going to sit here and sugarcoat it that much. Those of you who are listening and looking at the release dates of these episodes, you may be wondering, what's with the big gap? You're releasing like once a month and then all of a sudden you took three months off. Are you okay? And maybe that's just my self-conscious telling me that that's what you all might be thinking, or maybe it's not true at all. But the fact is, the answer to that question is, not really. So let's talk about that. Right around the time of Season 8, Episode 3, I was going through a lot of life change. My attempts at maintaining sobriety from consuming alcohol were not going very well at that point in time. I had relapsed and then entered remission and then relapsed and now I'm doing dry January. But in that period of time, it was one of the contributing factors to the dissolution of my previous relationship. So... My fiancé is now my ex-fiancé. We're on amicable terms, so no need to throw her shade if you hear this. But if you do hear her or see her, just say hi. Wishing you well. However, her leaving me meant that I would need to learn how to discover myself again, and I would need to learn how to care for myself again. I'm heading back to York because I'm back at square one, as far as living situation, back at the house I grew up in, until I save money to move out on my own. But in better news, driving back from Essex, Maryland, because that is where one of my friends lives. He is one of my closest friends from throughout the years. And sometime in the not-so-distant future, he and I are going to be going over to Africa and hiking Mount Kilimanjaro. We have officially started our funds, pulled together to make this trip not just a dream, but a not-so-distant reality. I went over to his house to review camping gear that he's purchased to talk about what I might like for my own sleep set and cook set and life on the trail set at large. And we started watching our first documentaries about the mountain ahead of us. But beyond that, we also started looking at documentaries of the Appalachian Trail because 
after nagging me about doing it with him for four and a half to five years, I finally said yes to his trail proposal of hiking the entirety of the Appalachian Trail together. Now, I am nowhere near in shape for it yet. That is a couple years away. That's further yet away than Kilimanjaro. But we're going to start small by doing some overnighters. There will be times where we both take some unpaid leave from work and go for four or five nights out on the trails, out on the range. We will be living out of a backpack. That backpack will carry roughly 40 pounds, all things considered, worth of everything we need to survive. That backpack will contain a portable house, a portable bed, a portable stink, a portable stove, perhaps even a portable shower, so that we might live off the fat of the land. Well, maybe not quite off the fat of the land. Pray tell, we might find some good mushrooms along the way, and we might find some wild root vegetables, but aside from that, buying vegetables and stuff in town, we're gonna live nomadically for almost a year of our lives. And so, in this hodgepodge episode, I want to talk about the cycle of grief and loss and what acceptance might look like and the signs of positivity and looking forward to a brighter future. Starting with why I need to grieve, self-care, get better, heal, reminisce, and stay positive. In a world so negative, where scientifically speaking, it takes one positive fact to outdo ten negative facts. I don't know about y'all, but I have always been one of my own worst critics. I really have been. I have a very long-standing history of not being very kind to myself. I'm getting really good at being kind to others. So good, in fact, that I've started to try and make amends for people I've hurt when I was hypomanic, when I was depressed, when I was actively using. But I can't pay myself that same favor sometimes. And before I even do that, I'm stuck behind that wall of grief over a year and a half of my life as I knew it, ending very suddenly. Because it built up, we didn't talk about it. And then it just kind of came to a head and collapsed. So here I've been, trying to recollect myself. The stages of grief is defined by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross. Classically speaking, are, in a pair of five, denial, anger, bargaining, depression, acceptance. People have since expanded on these, but these are the classical five. Originally, she created this model 
as a social worker and psychologist as a method for for terminally ill patients to come to fact with the terms that they were dying. With, of course, the end goal being to actualize their life, reach the top of Maslow's hierarchy of pyramid of needs, to accept that they are at the end of their life, and to be okay with that. And so for them, a very finite progression, just like a very finite potential end date to their mortal existence, made the most sense to her and to them. We now know that grief is a little bit more fluid than that. Sometimes you might be bargaining and angry at the same time. You might have accepted and then hit a roadblock, a PTSD trigger that sent you right back into denial or anger. Perhaps you're angry and then depressed and then angry all over again. There is no one clear-cut path, but these are five characteristics that define grief, which I will actualize into real time with the loss of a spouse, a divorce, breakup of a relationship, an ending of a friendship, as all of those happened to me as well in the past few months. Denial. You don't really want to come to terms with what you just heard or saw or did. No, 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 that can't be right. She'll be back tomorrow. I know I'll hear from her tomorrow and she'll say it was all a joke. No, that can't be right. I've done nothing wrong. What proof or reason would there be for them to leave me behind? And then you move on to anger. This is where your emotions proliferate as your fight or flight response activates and you become hostile towards the situation. What? You can't possibly be serious. What a terrible person. What cruel, malicious fiend would do this to me? What's wrong with you? How could you do this? I can't believe you. You sicken me. Which then moves on to bargaining. You're getting past that anger a little bit, and you're realizing that as much emotional stock as you want to dump into the scenario at hand, you can't deny that it happened. It's hit you in the face. But you really wish that things could have been different. And so you ask yourself, if I just quit that behavior that he didn't like, our marriage would be saved. If I just reached out and said I'm sorry, maybe they would forgive me. Maybe they'd come back. If I had just one more chance to prove myself as a worthy, loyal companion to them, things would be so, so different. If I could just turn back time, I would have never said the things I did or did the things that I did. And then once you come painstakingly aware of this reality, you turn to depression, being very aware that you cannot change the past, and it hurts. There's so many things left unsaid and undone that you'll never get a chance to. You feel as though 
things could never get worse and almost certainly never get better either. You feel that all points in time are futile, make no sense. You feel yourself slipping away into sadness and madness. There is no point to existing if they can't be a part of the picture. I can't imagine a life without her. Everything reminds me of her. I can't keep going. But yet, somehow you do. And when your serotonin hump picks you back up out of that valley, you start to say to yourself, maybe things are better off this way. I might not have been able to save that one, but I'll be able to save the next one. This one didn't work out. But thinking back on it, I can see why. I can make a pros and cons list of why it would have been not great to continue. And those ultimately ended up outweighing those pros, maybe. And even if they don't, understanding that I'm in charge of myself, my own emotions, my own feelings... I can't take that away from me, just like I can't take that away from them. And their emotions aren't aligned with mine, and it's simply not meant to be. You come to acceptance. You come to understanding things the way that they are. And that's when you go into the maintenance phase, just like we talked about earlier in the stages of change. Because grief involves change. We change as we grieve. Our bodies change. The body keeps the score, but in seven years, you will have a completely different body. So, considering that I had my first real, oh crap moment with relationships when I was 20, last year, my body completely recovered from that. The brain cells that didn't still hold on and replace themselves with similarities have gotten over that seven years later. My first real manic break will be completely out of my system in two years when I turn 30. Imagine that. And so, there must be a reason to grieve, to continue, to accept. Because quite truthfully, my friends, I can't honestly tell you with a straight face, where I'm at on that continuum. I'm angry, sure, that we let things slip away from us very suddenly. I find myself bargaining, saying that if I would have just been more communicative, if I would have just checked in more, if I would have taken more medication, things would be different. And of course, I'm depressed that I find myself blissfully wandering this world seemingly on my own although I know that I'm not on my own as long as I've got my parents, my friends my family, my friendships, my patients I'm never really alone somebody's out there that understands and all I have to do is pick up that heavy phone and call and so my therapist when I was most depressed over my first oh crap moment at 20 years of age over a girl over a failed relationship gone sour gone south way too fast I found myself crying and destitute 
on his family heirloom couch, and he hands me a post-it note and says, I want you to write down 10 things that you like about yourself. It took me the entire hour to write three. And he said, excellent, but guess what? You're not done. You will have that post-it note filled in when I see you next week. It took me three hours that night. And now I can say with confidence that as sad as I may feel about how tumultuous the past couple lives of my month have been, moving back in to my family house, having a very long commute, which then became irrational, and I'm thenceforth switching jobs soon, as many major life changes unexpectedly happened because they needed to in this past couple of months alone. I can say the 10 things that I most like about myself are, in no particular order, my tattoos, my ability as a martial arts performer, my ability to teach and instruct, my intelligence, my adventurousness, my sociability, my musical talent, my smile, my eyes, and my bravery. I could keep going, but at the very least, those are the ten that are on my index card that I keep in my wallet to this day for when I need it. Because I need that positivity to keep pushing myself forward. Those things that I look forward to, five of them, in no particular order, having a family, hiking the Appalachian Trail, hiking Kilimanjaro, and then recuperating in South Africa, getting my black belt in Judo and Jiu-Jitsu, and touring my music. The list goes on, sure, but still... A simple enough exercise that we can do to help us in the face of adversity, grief, sorrow, and uncertain and unwanted seeming futures. So whoever you are, wherever you are, I hope in this new year you may find solace, comfort, peace, and joy wherever you are and whatever you're doing. Thank you so much once again for listening to me talk at length. Grieve appropriately, love yourself often. That is all that we can do. I strive to be much more honest with you and myself this year. And here's to keeping going forward. Until the next time we speak, I add my beautiful silence.